Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Well, there you heard it. It's you who sets the tone of the conversation. So that's why it's so meaningful to do this with you. Welcome. It's Thursday afternoon. Nice to be with you, Rabbi Shishla, till 3 p.m. And we're interactive. It's all about everybody's thoughts, insights, and most importantly, fresh thinking. Now, I would be completely amiss if I didn't do this. Remiss if I didn't do this. I'm going to do it. Shout out to our very own High FM's Howard Feldman, whose birthday is today. So happy birthday, Howard. Hope it's a great day, and please God, a year of brocha coming up ahead. Um, yes, so I guess that makes it a special day, right? Here for us on Chai. What are you thinking? What's on your mind? I'll tell you what I'm thinking. I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Let's just quickly set the ground rules. This is how you contact us. Well, social media is always very popular. It's either my Twitter or Chai FM's Twitter. That's at Rabbi Shish or at Chai FM. There's my Facebook page. There's Chai FM's Facebook page. And then, of course, the good old-fashioned SMS on 34519 or the newfangled Telegram app, 0618951019. However it is that you send in your thoughts, your perspective will respond. So go ahead. Tell us. What it is that you think. What are we going to talk about today? I'll tell you exactly what's on my mind. And hopefully something that you'll relate to. So the question is this. We all speak a lot about how God is good. How God is benevolent. How God is the source of all blessing. Which is great. At the same time we also know that people have some very difficult challenges in their lives. Particularly this past year, year and a half, many, many more people seem to have serious and ongoing challenges in their lives, whether it be health, whether it be financial, whether it be the social breakdown, which we're battling with. So the question is, is it possible that a person could ever be cursed by God? That's my question for you today. And think to your own experience. Think to people who you know Let's now look at it from that perspective. People who you know, the things that they've been through, perhaps the things that you've been through. Is it possible that somebody could be cursed by God? Love to hear your thoughts on that. And I know what's going to happen is we're going to immediately have some knee-jerk responses, which will probably be some saying yes and some saying no, which is fine. But give us a little bit more than that. Not just a one-word answer. So if you believe that the answer is yes, or you believe that the answer is no, I'd like to challenge you. Why? Have you had an experience? Do you know of a person? Do you look around and say, how is this acceptable? How can this happen in our world? Isn't this evidence to the fact that somebody might be, so to speak, cursed by God? And I think cursed is a very strong word. I'm using that word specifically even though it is loaded and for some people even objectionable. How can you even use such a word? That's okay. Sometimes we have to push the envelope a little bit just to try and understand what do we really believe? Because we have to know what we believe as people, as Jewish people specifically. Do we believe that there is such a thing as being cursed by God? And of course, if you're going to say yes or you're going to say no, Just add a little bit more to that, you know, fill it in a little bit. Why do you feel that way and why 
you probably feel quite strongly, I'm going to guess. See, here we go already. We've got uh, two responses already. One is a no and one is a yes. <laughs> Just exactly as I would have expected. One no, one yes. Classic Jewish response. We're evenly divided at this point and nobody has given any specific reason or motivation for their perspective. That's fine. Let's talk about it. Just for for reference, I guess, in Hebrew, how do you say cursed or how do you say curse in Hebrew? What's the Hebrew word for curse? The reason I ask this is because these things are very significant to these conversations. Often in English, we use words a little more freely than we do in, in Hebrew, particularly in, in the language of the Torah, where words are very, very carefully selected and very heavily weighted every word has an entire implication. Does anybody know what is the Hebrew word for a curse? And I'm specifically asking that question because it's going to be significant to, to know that we're talking about the right thing. If we know what we're talking about, it's definitely going to make a difference. If we talk cross purposes and I'm referring to one thing and you're referring to something else, we're not really going to actually have a meaningful conversation. So that's the question for you. Anybody know what is the Hebrew word, the Torah word for a curse? And that will lead us to the conversation about whether or not it is possible that somebody should be cursed by God. So uh, nobody coming through with that. That's fine. I'll just give it to you then. The Hebrew word for a curse is kalala. Kalala is a curse. Uh, we have other words as well. For example, when famously King Balak, the king of the Moabite nation, hires Bilam, the great Gentile prophet, to curse the Jewish people, there he uses a different word. He uses the word Ara. And later on in the Torah, we come across a variation of the word, which is called Arur. Arur means to be cursed. So, yes. There is possibly more than one word that we could use for curse. I'm going to focus specifically on the word kalala. And the reason for that is because there's a verse in the Torah that we're going to refer to a little bit later in this conversation to try and understand this concept. Is it possible that God could, and I'll use the expression, God forbid, curse? Here's another response. Ingrid says, definitely not. I love it when people are so confident in their defense of Hashem. Definitely not. It's out of the question, right? Of course. How is it possible that anybody could even suggest such a thing? Rabbi, what are you thinking? That God would curse anybody. Rick says an interesting thing here on Twitter. Says, I think God gives you free will and you curse yourself. Isn't that interesting? You curse yourself. Makes a lot of sense to me. You know, people do things which, for whatever reason, they believe to be good choices. And they're actually damaging. So, yes, I can understand why you would say that a person could curse themselves and we all have free choice to do so. Uh, good point. Definitely a good point. And we'll examine that a little bit further. Is that good enough, though, as an answer? Does that mean that any time that a person has difficult things happen to them in their lives, we turn around and say, you've cursed yourself? Is that how we're supposed to look at it? Uh, generally speaking, if people have difficult things in their lives, are we generally supposed to see that as a curse? It's another question altogether, right? Here's somebody who says, definitely, yes. Look around at the world. 
all the Canaanite nations, the Philistines, the Jewish people at the time of the golden calf. So does that mean cursed? Where's the curse? Where's the curse in that? So yes, people behaved in a way that is uh, objectionable, that is antithetical to everything that we believe. What means, what tells you that that person is necessarily cursed? Right? Interesting, interesting. Here's another one. Ooh, interesting, interesting point. Interesting point over here from John who says, do you believe that those responsible for the Holocaust are cursed by God? Interesting, interesting. I didn't actually think of that. I was talking about, I suppose, decent people. But then again, it's, it's coming through as a theme over here. People saying that it is possible for a person to curse themselves, to make horrible decisions, Philistines, Canaanites, Nazis, and then have to experience the response, the curse for that. What are your feelings on that? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Please share them with us. 34519. That's how you get hold of us on SMS. Otherwise, use Facebook and Twitter. Love to hear your insights and perspectives and opinions on this. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Can't help but ask you the question. The guy who did the Boston ad voiceover, is that not the same guy from the Gau train? Same voiceover? I don't know. Let me know. Let me know what you think. Anyhow, we're talking about far more serious things, but whatever it is that is on your mind, related or perhaps even unrelated, your ways to contact us, Twitter and Facebook, otherwise 0618951019 on Telegram and 34519 via SMS. Talking today about whether it's possible for a person to be cursed by God. Anne says, I believe by someone's actions or inactions, they curse themselves. There you have it. It's emerging as a theme that people curse themselves. I don't know. Maybe we don't understand properly what this word curse is. Maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe that's exactly what it is. We throw around terms without necessarily digging deep and understanding what the term means. We do this a lot. It's probably part of the human condition. We use generic phrases without being careful. I was actually accused today, earlier today, of posting something on social media from the Rambam, and somebody said I wasn't accurate enough, which is possibly true, because that's what we do, right? We share things generically. Here's Milton via Telegram. It says, I think people can curse others, a power which God has provided for, and God will, in inverted commas, need to enact that curse you have made the power is ours and God carries out our wish. Such an interesting concept, right? That it's possible for somebody to curse another person. And it must be the case. Because look at the story of Bilam. Here's a man who everybody understood had the power to curse other people. Although, look at the story of Bilam. This massive prophet who, when he stood in front of the Jewish nation, ready with guns, ready to, you know, curse them in the most horrible way. Only blessings came out because apparently at the end of the day, we don't have that power. Just like that. God has to authorize it. It's like there's got to be that two signatories on this account. You know, the man cursing and then the God endorsing the curse in order for it to happen. But it is an interesting point that we we seem to have the power to be able to curse people. That people can curse people. I think that's a very interesting point. And so interesting that many of you have said we have the power to curse ourselves. So interesting. Uh, here's, okay, uh, it's not sure. Not sure exactly if, if I'm going to share this because it's going to confuse the conversation. Here's another one. Belinda also says, not by God, 
but maybe by other people who have negative intentions. You see the theme emerging? We're very protective of God, and we want to say, oh no, God is good. God would never curse us. And personally, I'll be open. That's definitely what we believe as Jewish people. It's just interesting how we're willing and ready to shift the blame to somebody else and say, oh, the curses come from people. The curses come from ourselves. The curses come from malevolent individuals. It's interesting. And maybe there's another way to answer. Maybe not every response to a philosophical or spiritual question has to be binary. Yes or no. Perhaps there's a different way to look at it. It's like our sages say, some of us read this on a daily basis in the early morning prayers. If you have two verses that appear to contradict each other, you need to have a third verse that will give you perspective and once you have perspective, you recognize that there's actually no conflict to begin with. I think that's exactly what's happening over here. We think that the two options, either God curses us or people curse us. Perhaps there's a third option that we're missing. And perhaps the wording will be exceptionally relevant. Yes, I'm leading you over here. I'm leading you on this one. The wording. Here are two people who said almost the exact same thing, almost the exact same words. Uh, I think they're cheating on this test. <laughs> so it's Rene and uh, I can't remember who the other one was. It's a little bit further up the feed. I'll see if I can find it. But basically saying it's not cursed, just lessons that need to be learned. Okay, that's really different to the word curse. My question was, could it be possible for somebody to be cursed by God? And you're doing a good thing. You're saying, well, who says that that's the right terminology? Good. We're on the right track because that's actually how we get to answers. See, we're, we're set up when somebody asks a question because they ask the question and present the two options. Does God curse us? Yes or no? And the correct answer is to say, whoa, hang on a second. Let's understand exactly what you mean by that. Sydney says very much so. Very much so. Here's an unpronounceable Twitter handle. I don't even know what language it is in. I don't think it's in English. But the English tweet says, God is not like a human. Humans make mistakes. And, oh gosh, I really can't. <laughs> the English over here is, is not so clear. I'm sorry. I, I'm not going to be able to read it. But I, I think the point to say that God is not like a human, that's good. That's an important point. That's something that we have to focus on and think about because we tend to answer these questions as only we can from a human perspective. And we, we think, oh, if I had to curse somebody, it would mean malicious intent. It would mean that I was angry or frustrated or whatever the case is. And I really want something bad, God forbid, to happen to them. So that we impose that on God and say, maybe it's the same. That's an important consideration. It's an important consideration that the term curse in our frame of reference and the term curse in the divine frame of reference could potentially be very, very different to each other. Uh, and exactly that point Neville makes. He says, that's the point. People take the word or the concept of a decree and they view it as a curse. And that's not necessarily correct. Okay, fine. Accept the point. I don't think that answers the question. It becomes semantics now. So instead of using the word curse, we'll use the word decree. And perhaps we're just dodging the question over here rather than tackling the question, which is really what we should be doing. Trying to tackle the question. Here was a response. Okay, no, no, that's fine. It's very nice. <laughs> one word answers. Let's have a little bit more. A little bit more than just one word answers. Let's see. Uh, some, looking for something... 
The Torah tells us everything we need to know. This is Hannah. The Torah tells us everything that we need to know. God does not curse anyone, but the human being seeks his own curse after being disobedient and not fulfilling what is written. In simple English, I think that that is very much what many people have started to say. You curse yourself. You create a cursed environment. You make your bed and then you lie in it. Okay? Fair enough. That's not my question. My question is, is it possible for the person to be cursed by God? Not to do something damaging to themselves. Because obviously that's the case. But there might be references in the Torah that give the impression that God does dish out curses. And we need to understand then what those verses are supposed to mean. Because... At face value, read it superficially, it does sound as if there's the potential for God cursing. Unless, of course, as some of you have indicated, Rene said it before, perhaps you're using the wrong word, perhaps using the wrong translation. And that's very, very often the case. Love to hear your thoughts on this conversation. If you've got a perspective, if you have a strong feeling about it, Go ahead, share it with us, 34519 via SMS or at Rabashish at on Twitter or use our Facebook pages, Chai FM's or mine. And of course, there is Telegram, 061-895-1019. So, question for today, is it possible that God curses people? That's my question. Leia says on Twitter, God chastises those who he loves. Is this a curse? can be the biggest blessing if a person takes the most of the opportunity. What about those that haven't got a care in the world? That could be the biggest curse. It depends on how you see and what your priorities are. It's a really good point. Sometimes the greatest curse is to be left to your own devices, right? Sometimes you think that you know what a curse is, and sometimes you just don't realize what a curse is. Arlene says it's a good question. Thank you, Arlene. I also thought it was a good question. That's why I asked it. So I'd love to hear some interesting insights. Yaron has a great perspective. If you had to ask the opposite question, do you think somebody would be blessed by God? Then the answer is yes. And there's a whole long list of people, myself included, which of course is a great angle to look at life, right? To think of yourself as blessed, really, really healthy way of looking at life. Uh, somebody says, as an atheist, no. Okay, as an atheist, why would you answer the, qu ask, answer the question at all? <laughs> right? No? Don't you think? Anyway, seems a bit self-contradictory to me, that one. So the question is, does God curse us? And the reason I'm asking the question is because there's a verse in the Torah. We're actually going to read it in all of our shuls this week. The verse is the opening line of this week's Torah portion, where God says, Re'e, look, watch. That means this is real, this is tangible, it's something you can see with your own eyes. It's not just, trust me. It's, look, look. I'm going to give you, in front of you, in front of your face today, bracha uklala, blessings and klala. Now, what exactly does klala mean? Most people will translate it as curse. I'll tell you what's interesting. What's interesting is that there is a different translation. In the classical commentaries, I don't know if you know this, but the entire Torah, obviously written in Hebrew, had a translation into Aramaic. In fact, it has more than one translation into Aramaic. The reason for that is because many centuries ago, Jewish people were not so good at Hebrew. Sound familiar? I'm sure there's got to be an ad somewhere for Hebrew reading, right? 
So people were not familiar with Hebrew and they didn't necessarily understand what the Torah was saying. So different sages at different times in our history committed the Hebrew translation, the Hebrew to an Aramaic translation. And when you read that Aramaic translation, you're going to see something fascinating, that there are two opinions about how you're supposed to translate this word klola. One opinion, straightforward, the opinion of Unculus, the famous Roman who converted to Judaism, much to the disappointment of his uncle, the Caesar. He translates it straightforward. Klola milat tayo, which means curses. Straight. God presents the potential for curses. Whereas the Targum Yonason, Yonason ben Uziel, the great uh, Talmudic sage, they say he was so powerfully spiritual that he could literally singe a bird that flew overhead while he was learning because he exuded such an aura. He translates it as, Brocha is birchan, the blessings. And then when it comes to the word klala, he translates it as chilufa, which means and the alternative, or more correctly, the opposite. Now, there's a whole principle in Judaism about how you speak and how careful you should be about how you speak. Always try and say things in a positive way. Always try and avoid negative references. So it's common in Judaism and in Torah literature to use words that are euphemistic. So, for example, when the Talmud wants to speak about a person who's blind, it will often say the person with too much light in his eyes. Of course person with light in their eyes will be blinded but they don't want to say the word blind because it's got such a negative connotation likewise people will use the expression life and the opposite rather than saying the word death it's more euphemistic it's softer we prefer to speak in a positive way and that would appear to be exactly what the translation the aramaic translation over here is doing we don't want to use that word curses so we'll just use a different word will say the opposite. So God offers potentially blessings and potentially the opposite of blessing. My question to you is, is that a good translation? Is that a meaningful translation? Remember, as euphemistic as you want to be, you also have to be accurate. If your doctor was euphemistic, you might not take the health requirements seriously. Sometimes you've got to be direct. Sometimes it's not healthy to cushion and to sugarcoat. What is the opposite of a blessing? <laughs> Good question, right? What is the opposite of a blessing? Not necessarily a curse. I know that's first what comes to mind, right? Like if a person had to say, what is the opposite of light? You'd say darkness. Makes sense. You remember the famous saying from Elie Wiesel, that the opposite of love is not hate. It is, what does he say? He remembers apathy. And he goes through a whole long list. Because opposites are not always as obvious as they appear. So if you're talking about God presenting us with the opportunity for blessing, as Yaron said before, that's how you should look at life and you should see the blessings. Then the opposite could be lack of blessing. It doesn't have to mean curse. It could just mean that a person doesn't receive the blessings that they would want to have in their life. Who says that it's so black and white? Who says... The minute you get into this translation, who says that the word klala actually means curse? So that's interesting, right? It's an interesting point. Interesting point. <laughs> Somebody's just sent through something very interesting. Chaim says the Baal Shem Tov abolished curses. Ready? 
Really? Uh, <laughs> I've never heard that. Never heard that. Interesting concept. I've heard other things attributed to the Baal Shem Tov, but if somebody has a source, I'd be really interested to hear that, that the Baal Shem Tov abolished curses. Of course, that begs the question that that implies that there were curses originally in the first place. Is that accurate? Not so sure. And certainly based on this translation that we're going with now, the translation of Rabbi Yonasan, who says, hey, it's not the, it's not blessing or curse, it's blessing or the opposite. So I'd, I'd like to ask you just to think about that for a second. What what comes to mind when you think opposite of curse? Oh, sorry, opposite of blessing. What comes to mind besides just the obvious curse? What else could potentially be the opposite of blessing? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Three, four, five, one, nine. You know what that's for. That's for SMSs. And then oh six one eight nine five one zero one nine. That's for Telegram messages. And Twitter and Facebook are for social media messages. You've got a whole platform that you could use to share your thoughts. This is Fresh Thinking. We think out of the box. We think collaboratively. Everybody has an opinion, and I'd love to hear yours. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. I think I've just come across one of the most interesting uh, quotations in this conversation. Somebody's written... Karma is an ever-patient gangster. <laughs> okay, interesting. Uh, Anthony says, I think it could be linked to the question that Moses asked, why do good people suffer and bad people prosper? We know that God permits, permitted the curses and suffering meted out to Job, for no fo- to Job, for no fault of his own, but only to try and prove that he was a faithful servant. Were those curses? Were those curses? That's the point over here. See, that's exactly the point. Imagine for a moment a, a child, is it an immature child, which happens, yes, I think there are some out there. So an immature child is disciplined by a parent. Now the parent might in the course of discipline, I'm not endorsing this, but it could happen that the parent in the course of discipline might say something that is offensive to the child, insulting to the child. They may raise their voice at the child. They may even hit the child. And yes, there's a whole conversation about whether or not we should allow children to hit Parents to hit their children. Fine. Part of that conversation will come back to it. The question is that the child may very well look at this and say, Yo, my parent hates me. Or my parent has cursed me. And that's the point that the Torah wants to move away from. Not everything that is not a blessing is a curse. That's a key part of this conversation. We like things to happen in a way that feels good happen in a way that looks as if we're getting what we would like or what we believe that we deserve. That's what we call blessings. You wake up in the morning, you look outside, it's a beautiful blue sky, it's a wonderful day, it's a great temperature, you have food to eat, you have a roof over your head, you have a job to go to. I live a blessed life and that's true. In fact, maybe we should acknowledge that a little bit more frequently. Maybe it's too often that we take those things for granted and then complain that perhaps we don't have other things. If there's one thing that this pandemic should have taught us, it's to reprioritize our blessings. What we consider a blessing. A healthy day is a blessing. Our family is a blessing. If you still have, please God, a source of income, it's a blessing. So that's how we live, right? We live that if we get the things that we believe that we need on the timeline that we believe we need to get them, that's blessing. 
And then when things don't go the way that we would have liked or anticipated, that's what we call a curse. What a cursed day. It's gray and gloomy outside and there's load shedding. Or the car won't start. Or the person who was supposed to have arrived for an appointment cancelled two minutes beforehand. Etc., etc., etc. Now, is curse the correct term for that? Because at the end of the day, yes, it's not a brocha. So it's chilufai. It's the opposite. It's something different. It's an alternative. It's an unwelcome alternative. Does that make it a curse? No. Not necessarily. But, but it actually goes deeper than that. And I'll tell you why it goes deeper than that. Because the correct translation for the word chilufa is not just opposite. There's a much more accurate word that we should be using in English. And that's the thing. When we get to terminology, we need to ensure that we're using the correct terminology. Because if we're not using the correct terminology, we come out with a hackneyed version of what the Torah is trying to teach us. Chilufa actually means an exchange. Remember back in the day when kids used to share their lunches at school? Oh, now you can't do that anymore with COVID, right? But remember the days when people used to do that? So there was a kid who would come to school and he always had the same thing in his sandwich and he hated it. So he'd go to the other kid who always had something else in his lunch that that kid loved. And they would exchange, right? Or you make an exchange in the adult world where you say, you advertise something maybe on Gumtree and you say, I've got this particular item I'm looking to sell or swap. You've got something of value. I've got something of value. Let's barter. Let's exchange. That's what Chilufa means, not just the opposite. But that's a fascinating insight because would you trade your blessings for something that fits under the category of curse? Who do that? Who of sound mind would be willing to do that? No one, right? Would a person exchange the opportunity to live in the lap of luxury for the chance to go out and battle through life? Would you? No. Nobody of sound mind would much prefer the path of least resistance. And would much prefer an easy experience of life. So there are certain things out there that you wouldn't want to exchange, right? Let's put it this way. Would you want to exchange a beautiful warm bed on a cold winter's morning? Would you want to exchange that for having to cramp up your muscles and expose yourself to potential hypothermia? Maybe. Would you want to? Oh, no, no, no. I'd much prefer the warm bed, right? So why are people out there jogging and cycling in the mornings? Why are you willing to exchange the comfortable life for something that's actually torturous? Sometimes you pass a jogger and you think, oh, wow, why is this person doing that? They have pain written all over their face. They look like it's the most horrible experience. So why are they doing it? Why did they exchange the nice, warm, winter's morning bed to be out there in the frost? Because there are certain things in life that you would be willing to exchange because you recognize that there's value even when things are not comfortable. Even when it's not the so-called open blessing. So when the Torah tells us, Ray, watch, watch what's about to happen over here. See with your own eyes, because it's going to be a personal experience, that there will be in life blessing and klala, which now we're a little afraid to translate as curse. What we're actually hearing the Torah tell us is the two ways that God will send his blessings to you. Because the translation is, Hilufa exchange. There are two ways you could get your blessings. Ask a person, 
Would you prefer to win the lottery? Or would you prefer, prefer to build up a multinational corporation from scratch? Of course, some people will say lottery. Obviously, everybody says, I wish I won the lottery. But nothing can compare to working and achieving. So would you exchange the one for the other? Very likely. That's what Targum Yonas and the translation in Taramaic wants to tell us. The minute the Torah uses this word curse, God giving, because people, people can curse, yes. People are malevolent. People are malicious. People, yes, they could curse. Bilam was a bad guy. He had prophetic vision, but he was a bad guy and he had bad intentions and he wanted to harm so he could dish out curses. But when it comes from God, you know it's chilufa. It's, you have an exchange program over here. Would you like your blessings revealed or would you like your, your blessings disguised? That's actually what's happening over here. And of course, you're going to ask a very simple question. Hey, hey, don't make life complicated and stop excusing for God. Just give, give us clear blessings. Yes, that's what we all ask for. We ask for what we call toiv hanirevanigle, revealed goodness. It's not always what we get. And sometimes what we want is not as healthy as what we'll end up getting. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Very interesting and probably sad at the same time that somebody sent a message. Do you believe that God curses people and says, yes, me, exclamation point. Wow, that's that's heavy. Really would not want to be in that position where that's what you feel about life. Hope that you start to see revealed blessings. The message of this Torah portion, the message of this particular translation, Chilufa, that we translate the word Kalala, not as curse, but as exchange, is a portal to one of the most profound concepts in Judaism. Yes, I know we battle a lot with um, bad things, bad things that happen to good people. I, I never know which one bothers people more, if good happens to bad people or if bad happens to good people. I'm never sure which is the one that really irks people. But we do battle with the principle of how could bad things happen to good people. And what's interesting about it is sometimes... You speak to those people and they don't know what you're talking about. There's a story of a particular individual who was sent by the Magid of Mezrich, Rabbi Dov Ber, the second in line in the Hasidic chain of command, the successor to the Baal Shem Tov. And he was sent to a man called Reb Zusha of Anipoli, who subsequently became a Hasidic leader of his own, to find out how to accept whatever Hashem sends your way, all the suffering that you may have joyously. And the man arrived there and he saw that Reb Zusha was literally living in a hovel and that his life was painful. He was not a well person. He had no money. Everything was terrible. And this fellow says to Reb Zusha, I'm here because the Maggid of Mezrich said, I should approach you to find out how does one accept what God gives them, even when it's so difficult, even when it's painful. And Reb Zusha said, I wouldn't know how to answer that question because I've never had the experience of anything painful that God has ever sent me. Ilufa, you get to exchange perspective. That's really what it is. Sometimes in life we are pushed into situations we would never have invited into our lives. If anybody would tell us at any point to say, this is going to happen to you, we would have said, please, God, no. Not me, not ever. And then it happens. We discover something about ourselves that we didn't know. We discover a depth. We discover a power. We discover a tenacity. We discover a benevolence, patience. I don't know, a whole string of things about ourselves that we never, ever knew that we were capable of. 
we feel totally transformed. We feel that something, something has shifted, something very deep and meaningful. And we now look at all of life differently. And we would never have asked for it. Once we have it, we are ironically grateful for it. That's the message. God doesn't curse. God is fundamentally good. Linda's just said that. God is good. We have to get our heads, our, our mindset right. God doesn't curse. God sends things that are so beyond anything we have perceived or imagined that they overwhelm us to the point that we feel will collapse. But if we stay the course and if we keep our focus and if we deepen our commitment, our faith and our learning, we discover that, you know what? I've just exchanged the easy path for the meaningful path. And that's where real growth happens. May Hashem bless us with only good, revealed good, and to learn all our lessons in the easiest and smoothest way. Have a great day. Have a great Shabbos. Stay safe and stay sane.